Hey, what's going on? It's Dr. Mike T. Nelson here and hosting again, not another fitness podcast for fitness geeks only. And this week we're talking about micronutrition and what are specific ones you should consider supplementing with. Of course, you can get these from your diet also, which would be the preferred way. But if not, Supplements sometimes can serve an important role in that process. And today we're talking about magnesium. And you've probably heard now a lot about magnesium. And there's actually good reason for that. A lot of the population is very short in magnesium. And if you look at green things in the middle of the chloroform molecule is kind of a magnesium looking thing. So green things, right? So broccoli and spinach and other vegetables such as that are good sources of magnesium. And a lot of people yeah, tend to skip on those things. Uh, other good sources of magnesium to get in from whole foods, uh, tofu, legumes, uh, some whole grains, as I mentioned, green leafy vegetables are one of the highest sources of that. Uh, spinach, beet greens, Brazil nuts, uh, almonds, cashews, uh, actually interesting blackstrap molasses. I don't know if people use a lot of that. Uh, pumpkin, pine nuts, uh, quinoa, sesame seeds, uh, all those have higher amounts of magnesium. And if you are missing a bunch of those, Odds are you're going to be low in magnesium. Now, how would you test to know if someone is low in magnesium? Pretty debatable. If you're looking at a blood marker test, uh, the plasma level of magnesium, probably not going to tell you a lot because the body is going to try to keep that very tightly regulated and will pull from other sources of magnesium. Another way is possibly looking at red blood cell levels of magnesium. Yeah, I'd say maybe on that. I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that that may be useful. Again, might be useful. I'm kind of split about that, to be honest. I would like to see more data on that, but possibly that could be a way. Um, in general, I just use old school dietary recall. Right, have clients write down everything they eat and drink for three to seven days. I know it's not going to be 100% accurate, and they're probably subconsciously trying to do things to impress me. But when I look at it, I can use uh, specific software to analyze the amount of micronutrients in it. And many times we see that magnesium is very low when that's done. And the foods I mentioned above, you can just do back of the envelope calculation, look to see if they are consuming a lot of those. If they're not, odds are they're probably going to be low in magnesium. Now, we can add more magnesium as a supplement. Again, I would do like having people eat more green things and vegetables. All those things are going to be a benefit. But why, why magnesium? Uh, so here's a quote from the Institute of Medicine Food Nutrition Board from 1997. It says, quote, on average, greater than 60% of U.S. men and women aged 20 years old or greater consume less than the dietary reference intake for magnesium. 
And that's just for the DRI. So just by using that as a baseline threshold, we can argue later if that's useful or not. We're still seeing a lot of deficiencies with that. Um, and there's other data to support that. There's some interesting data from uh, N. Haynes that also says that most people are gonna be low in magnesium. <coughs> um, let's try to find the actual quote here, but yeah, here we go. So dietary intakes of magnesium in the United States have been declining over the last 100 years from about 500 milligrams per day to 175 to 225 milligrams per day. Uh, again, this is from a more recent national survey that they did. Um, again, they quote here, a recent data provided by the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, all right, so NHANES data, uh, has shown that the diet of most Americans included suboptimal levels of magnesium, except for those who took magnesium as a supplement. They go on to say that another study published in 2005 showed that two-thirds of Americans have a dietary intake of magnesium below the recommended minimal level. And 19% of them were even below half of this level. So even to the minimum level, a lot of people are deficient. And if you look at more extreme markers, people are even more at risk of being low with that. So we have some good data to show that most people are probably just low in magnesium. Now the question is, can you supplement <coughs> with magnesium to overcome that? Uh, the answer is yes. Obviously, if you can eat better on the nutrition side, that's gonna be step number one, uh, but you can do both at the same time. So we can increase the quality of food being consumed and we can also think about using a supplement. Now, if you want some other reasons, and we'll get back to what supplements to use possibly amounts, uh, why else are we worried about magnesium? Uh, one of them is for inflammation control, right? So in magnesium uh, does help with controlling of inflammation. Uh, there is some data to show that magnesium may help improve uh, muscle function you can go back to look at a, a study from Brilliant Haley in 1992. There's some downsides to that study, but again, showing that it could be beneficial. Uh, we know the brain does love magnesium. Uh, there's another form of magnesium called magnesium L-threonate, which is spelled T-H-R-E-O-N-A-T-E, -E, that does appear to cross the blood-brain barrier. Um, there was a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled study that looked at this. Uh, they did find that it did help brain function by reducing the factor they called, quote-unquote, brain age by about nine years. Uh, the main author on that, I think, is Lee, L-I-U, from 2015. Now, I would argue that if you pull that study and actually read it like a good nerd, yeah, I'm not like super impressed by their overall uh, effect size on that. Again, do I think that form of magnesium is bad? Uh, no, but I would like to see a little bit more uh, data on that form. Uh, if you talk to people like Dr. James Laval, 
Uh, he'll use that form of magnesium at night if he has clients or patients that feel like their brain is going like 100 miles an hour and it doesn't want to shut off. Uh, he'll give them a higher dose of magnesium L3 and 8. And in his clinical experience, he said it does seem to help them get to sleep better. Um, so possibly, again, not much of a downside other than cost uh, to check that one out. Again, there's magnesium has been associated with uh, better sleep. Although sleep itself is a very complex uh, topic, but uh, most people I have had them use magnesium as a supplement and most of the time in the evening, if you're using forms of like magnesium citrate, uh, it can have a little bit more calming effect on your muscles and people tend to feel a little bit better using it. In terms of fat loss of body composition, maybe. I'd say that's probably going to be an effect of getting better sleep. So uh, lots of reasons for magnesium. Uh, downside, as I mentioned yesterday, is if you're looking at a multivitamin, uh, magnesium oxide is extremely inexpensive. It's also pretty much worthless. Um, I did look up the exact absorption rate there, which was done by a study uh, from Adrian Seranica in 2015. Uh, it appeared that magnesium oxide was only absorbed at about 4%. So I was close. I think I said 8%. Whatever. It's worthless. Uh, magnesium citrate is much better, and that was about a 50% absorption. Now, the downside of magnesium citrate is if you take way too much, it can cause some GI upset, and you could be doing the Wilford Brimley two-step in the bathroom. So that is the downside of magnesium citrate. Although if people are looking for a good form of magnesium uh, to use before bed, um, I like using magnesium citrate. It is a little bit more inexpensive, and as long as you don't go too batshit crazy on the dose, probably going to be just fine. And even if you do, you learn really fast that, oops, that was a little too much, and just cut back on the dose. Um, there are other forms of magnesium. Even after you listen to this podcast, there'll probably be some new brand new form of magnesium. Most of the time, they're just binding it to another molecule to increase absorption. Uh, I think there's a magnesium malate, which I've used. There's a glycinate version. Uh, glycinate tends to not uh, cause stomach issues and GI upset as much. Uh, it is a little bit more expensive, though. Um, so those forms can be useful. If you're really on a tight budget, I would say consider magnesium citrate before bed. Uh, probably titrate up on a higher-ish dose on that, uh, probably over what's recommended on the back. But just be very careful that if you go too much, you are going to be sitting on the hopper for a while. There's some other forms of transdermal magnesium. If you've ever done a float tank experience, which I would highly recommend, I'm a big fan of them. It's a water that is very saturated in Epsom salt, right? so magnesium salt. And this allows you to float, which is pretty cool. Um, so I've done them for as long as 90 to even two hours. And there's no other sound, completely black. They try to have the water temp about the same as your skin temperature. So you're trying to remove all sensory information. It used to be called the sensory deprivation chambers. The first one I ever tried was in uh, downtown Minneapolis here, man, five years ago now maybe. And it looked like someone had built a dryer into the wall 
So you had this small little tiny door you had to kind of crawl through to get into it. And I tried to relax, but I was like super paranoid that they're going to forget me in the bottom of this clinic in Minneapolis. They didn't. And, but I came out and I felt a lot more uh, relaxed. Now, I don't know if that's from the magnesium supposedly crossing the skin, right? So there's some forms of magnesium called transdermal magnesium. And in full disclosure, I have used them. I don't know. It seems to help, but I haven't had RBC levels done before and after. It's been on one of my experiments to do for a while, but I would have to cut back on all other forms of magnesium during that time. And yeah, I just didn't really feel like doing it, to be honest. If you look at the actual research on transdermal magnesium, yeah, it's pretty darn split. There's just really not that much data on it. One of the studies was saying that if you have slight cuts and things like that, that may be a way for the magnesium to get in. But magnesium itself, the molecule, is pretty darn big to get across the skin without uh, using any type of iontophoresis or pushing it through with an electrocurrent or some crazy penetration enhancer or something like that. Um, they did do kind of an informal study that I'll link to uh, where they did enroll 19 subjects. And yeah, maybe, I would say. So I'm a little suspect that you can get uh, magnesium levels up from soaking in Epsom salts. Uh, but either way, if you find that re relaxing, I do find float tanks to be very relaxing. Um, I have done you know, Epsom salt baths just to relax here at home, just dump a crap ton of Epsom salts into the bathtub. Uh, it does appear to help me relax. My sleep scores you know, do go up a little bit from it. I don't know if I'm absorbing any of the magnesium or it just feels good or if it's just the heat or the temperature itself. Yeah, I don't know. So I would say mm, maybe on that. So if you like it, I would definitely do it. I'm not a big fan right now based on the current data of relying only on transdermal magnesium. If you want to use it in addition to making sure your diet is adequate in magnesium, I think that's probably going to be fine. So different forms I mentioned of magnesium, we already covered that. Uh, most people are going to be pretty low. In terms of sport performance, if you have a very high deficiency, the data is a little split on that, but I think it can definitely help. You know, pretty much any time we take a deficiency and we get you back to adequate levels, we see an improvement in performance and health and how people feel. Uh, taking them beyond that range, we tend not to see any further improvement. So I don't think you need to get your magnesium levels uh, sky high. I will say, though, that one kind of sneaky trick I've done with clients is increasing vegetable intake. And on the back, I will look at a dietary analysis of their magnesium. So I have them uh, self-report a lot of their nutrition online. And I will notice that intakes of magnesium generally tend to go up over time. So I am kind of sneaking magnesium and watching that in the background. They do tend to report performance and feeling better at the same time. Granted, we're doing a whole bunch of other stuff too. Um, from talking to Dr. James Laval, he's a big fan of using a lot of magnesium. And he makes a good point that I agree with, especially in athletes, if you're in uh, hot environments, you're sweating a lot, you're going to be losing some ions. Uh, the main one that you're going to be losing is going to be sodium. Uh, but you can see some magnesium loss from there also. 
So as I mentioned, my sneaky trick is getting clients to eat more kind of green vegetables, just more vegetables in general. That's going to push up magnesium levels. Um, I have used magnesium in different forms as a supplement with some clients. And most of the time they tend to report that they feel better. So if you had to supplement with only one single nutrient, I would actually pick magnesium. When we talked about vitamin D the other day, we can get vitamin D from uh, sunlight and it definitely is low in people. Um, but I would argue that based on the data, magnesium deficiency is probably even more frank than vitamin D deficiency. If you are adding magnesium as a supplement, you don't really have to get any too esoteric form. Just start with magnesium citrate. You could actually even buy a supplement just called Calm, which is basically just magnesium in a form you mix together. I don't have any disclosures with any magnesium manufacturers or supplement companies or anything like that. Um, there was the old uh, ZMA, if people remember that, for a bodybuilding supplement. It's based off a study in basketball players that they did show were low in zinc. So it was zinc, magnesium, aspartate, and vitamin B6. And some basketball players in that study were low in zinc. They did show that it was beneficial. Um, I've often wondered if people report feeling that that supplement works for them, if it's more to do with the magnesium than it is the zinc or the B6. But again, uh, not a lot of data on that. I would just rather have people increase, especially green leafy vegetables, a good place to start for magnesium because of the chlorophyll molecule. And if they want to use magnesium as a supplement, citrate's going to be a good, pretty inexpensive form to use before bed. So if you enjoyed learning about micronutrients and kind of the crash course on them, I've got a very cool report that I did all about magnesium. You can go to the website, which is miketnelson.com forward slash magnesium. So miketnelson.com forward slash magnesium. And you'll go to a site there that will redirect you. Just put your name and your email address in there and we'll automatically send it to you. So it'll pop you on to our email list where you'll get all sorts of good updates right into your inbox. So if you want to know more about magnesium and some of the things we discussed here, plus some other stuff that we didn't discuss, uh, go to MikeTNelson.com forward slash magnesium, and I'll send you a cool special report that I prepared all about magnesium and what to look for. That'll add you to the email list, and if you've got any questions, you can just then hit reply, and those will come over directly to me. I do my best to answer as, as many of them as I can. So... Uh, thank you very much. We'll be back with another quote-unquote in air quotes micronutrient tomorrow. Actually gone. Will we ever forget him? Who? You know, uh, uh, what's his name? <laughs>